All right, and welcome back to 52 Founders. I'm your host, Chrissy Costa, and this week I'm so excited to be joined by two of my favorite women from business school, Allie Brewer and Kim Marsh. Allie and Kim are the co-founders of EZA, the nail care solution for the modern women. Not only is EZA tackling an enormous antiquated market, but it's being led by two founders who have the tenacity needed to take on such a space. I've been lucky enough to watch Kim and Allie's journey evolve over the past few years, and I'm so thrilled to give you all a glimpse of it now. But enough from me, let's hear from Allie and Kim themselves. Kim and Allie, I'm so excited to have you on my show today. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, we're really psyched. Thanks for having us. All right, so let's start by talking about EZA and what the idea is. Yeah, absolutely. So EZA is a manicure solution for modern women. Um, so the problem we're solving is that women have two options for nail care, and there's just a huge gap between the two options. So women can go to the local neighborhood salon, um, but what we find is that's where you kind of never know what you're going to get. Service is highly variable. Quality is highly variable. You have unpredictable wait times. You have to bring cash for tips. It's just really inconvenient. And then on the other hand, you have this luxury spa where you can get your nails done, which is great and pampering. But who has the time and money to spend at the spa if, if you get your nails done every two weeks? So EZA really uh, fills that gap and fills that void and um, is, uh, yeah, manicures for the on-the-go woman. Yeah, so our customer is the on-the-go woman who's, like, highly scheduled. She orders her coffee on the Starbucks app. She really doesn't have time for unpredictable wait times at the local salon, much less to spend hours at the luxury spa. So that's why we created EZA. EZA comes from the Italian word, esatto, meaning exactly. So our customers get the exact same experience every time. We talk about consistency is what we are all about um, at every location with every technician. For for me, you know, there's the low-end stores and then you, you're perfectly right, right? I don't want to go to a spa just to get my nails done, but I do want to feel like I'm pampering myself while still being efficient. I think like our generation especially is so used to having what you want when you want it at that moment. So it seems like um, the perfect combination. Yeah. I mean, it is at this point for many women, it's part of their professional uniform. It's routine maintenance. And they're, Ali said, they're doing it every two weeks, like clockwork. And you want to be able to do that conveniently. So we're focusing on manicures to ensure consistent quality. We have early morning hours, so you can go before work if you want. We have a membership model that makes it really easy. Seamless online booking and cashless payment, which seems like table stakes in basically any other industry, but in nail salons, you still see ATMs all the time because you're supposed to bring cash to tip, which feels absurd and is honestly the only thing that our customer is using cash for on a you know week-to-week basis. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's so funny you mentioned that, Kim, because there are so many industries right now we're talking about the future of AI and how that affects different industries. And yet you look at things you use in your everyday life that seem, mm-hmm. you know, like stuck in the stone age at this point, the, but yeah. cash being one of them, I almost never have cash in me. And then I kind of feel like an asshole when I can't tip and I have to go and run out and come back. And it just yeah. little, you would think, you know, these low hanging fruit would be taken up right now. So I'm really excited to see where you guys go. So what's it like being a startup in Chicago? Let's talk a little bit about the Chicago tech scene. I know that, you know, we all met at Booth, but is there something you see about Chicago as being the perfect place to start for EZA? 
Well, we can't really compare starting a company in another city because we are first-time founders, but I will say there is something special about being in Chicago. So as you said, yeah, we met at the University of Chicago booth, but I think starting a business while being in business school just really gives us the unique opportunity to kind of take entrepreneurship classes, apply those learnings to the business. Um, and then specifically at Booth, um, you know, they have this competition called the New Venture Challenge. We were fortunate enough to get accepted. Uh, we got access to incredible feedback from amazing mentors. And we ended up actually placing third, which gave us access to capital. So we ended up winning 75K um, right after the competition. We ended up closing our pre-seed round, um, which was a fantastic accomplishment for us. Um, and just would not have been possible if we weren't in Chicago and specifically at Booth. Yeah, we are actually sitting in 1871 right now inside of inside of the Merchandise Mart. We we part of our prize is winning free office space for the summer. Um, 1871 is this co-working space for startups from across the city, and the vibe is awesome. There are a bunch of other Booth startups working out of here from the summer, and and yeah, that energy is priceless. Yeah, I totally agree. It's funny. I've interviewed a few Chicago entrepreneurs, but they're all later stage than you. And so we've never really talked about 1871, but it's such a fantastic resource. And it's interesting because there are venture capital firms there as well. And it just has become this almost, I hate to say this overused term, but it's kind of a one-stop shop for startups in Chicago that are really getting off the ground. No, I mean, absolutely. We, on the way in, we're working out of the Pritzker Group venture capital room right now um, for the summer. We walked by kind of another booth startup on, who placed first in the new venture challenge. They're in a room down the hall. Um, and we said, you know, like just passed by Brent Hill, one of the partners from Origin on our way in here. So that's just in the last like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, um, so, yeah, it's just like a really cool place to be. Yes. And so we're going to switch gears now and talk about each one of you. You guys are my third pair of founders together. So bear with me. <laughs> But we'll talk a little about each of you individually. So, Ali, why don't you start? What were your early years like? Where did you grow up and what did your parents do for a living? Yeah, so I grew up in North Palm Beach, Florida. So very different than Chicago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my dad is a doctor, so he's a cardiologist. And my mom is a stay-at-home mom. Great. And Kim, what about you? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, I haven't lived in Chicago since high school, so it was great finding a reason to come back for booze. But and my parents are both lawyers. My dad was a you know partner in a big corporate firm downtown. My mom actually um, started her own kind of smaller practice with partners in out in the suburbs near where we grew up. So she started her own practice. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, she is was a, a huge role model for me growing up. Mostly, like, didn't have a lot of um, working moms in the town I grew up in, and she did not have a very big support network to do that. But, yeah, she's she's a badass um, and has been, like, a great um, just source of support for Allie and I and inspiration. So That's great. Um, I, I little, find it funny. Be- yeah. Oh, no, I was saying I find it funny that a lot of entrepreneurs have – these parents who, you know, were not small business owners, but might have, you know, started their own practice like that or, or started a restaurant. And it's funny that I think in technology, we think of startups being, you know, one entity, but really it could be anything as simple as starting your own law practice. Yeah. 
for sure. So as children, what did you guys want to be when you grew up? <laughs> this is Kim. I didn't know that many jobs, so I wanted to be a lawyer. <laughs> That's what my parents were. Um, I was uh, became, yeah, like disenchanted with that when my friends started going to law school and hating their jobs <laughs> and realized that that was actually not anything I was interested in in any level. So not going to law school is one of the best decisions I think I ever made. I almost did. I deferred, but I, I never went. It's awesome. Yeah, I I think everyone does that though. <laughs> I feel like every every business student has thought about law school briefly at some point. True. true. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. When I grew up, like as a young child, gosh, the memory I do have a very vivid memory of myself wanting to be a scientist. Though I would like play with all these different shampoos and try to mix them together and pretend like I was making creative potions and um, <laughs> I guess that's like the innovative side um, that kind of turned into entrepreneurship. Yeah, definitely. I love that. And so did either of you ever have like the proverbial lemonade stand or do anything, anything from creative, you know, to writing plays or stories or were you trying to sell people from a young age, anything like that? closest thing that I can think of to, you know, yes, lemonade stands, like small things like that. But I always like outside of organized school activities, I think the most fun I had was organizing friends to do like crazy impromptu things. So we did do like backyard musicals. There are like um, elaborate music, like videos of me playing director um, for like music videos with my friends growing up and like into continued into adulthood. My one of my proudest achievements is like competing in and then like helping to coach the team in what is called the Nemo 500 outhouse race in rural South Dakota. <laughs> Um, which is like a theme, you build um, a themed outhouse and race it. And um, we won year over year and took it really seriously. And that is something that like no one should spend any time on, but like <laughs> organizing a team of friends to take it super seriously. And when every year was some of the most fun I've had in my whole life. I mean, um, you did organize a pizza trolley for us this year at Booth. So yeah, kind of the same caravan. <laughs> One of my crowning achievements. Um, uh, or just coming yeah. up with like, yeah, just we're gonna, you know, creating creating an elaborate theme party where everyone's wearing matching hats or t-shirts or pants. There are countless examples of of like stupid ideas like that. I I do love coming up with a stupid idea. No, but uh, you're good at selling. You're really good at getting people on board and getting excited about it because. The tro- at least the pizza trolley spread throughout our entire class like wildfire. It was like a waiting list to get on these trolleys. So yes, the, when there was a secondary market introduced, I knew that um, the pizza trolley caravan had arrived. Yes, Kim, you missed your calling in the black market for pizza trolleys. Uh, Allie, so what about you? I was growing up really into sports. So I just remember running cross country, playing soccer, and really putting myself in situations that actually I really struggled in. (laughs) I like to get better and putting work into that. That's why I love to run. 
Um, I would time myself every run and just try to get better every time. I remember being like the last, the, the slowest person on my team, on my cross country team in eighth grade, um, actually ended up like throwing up at the finish line mm-hmm. <laughs> after this three mile race. And then by my sophomore year in, co- in um, high school, I was on the varsity team. So I made it to the top seven. And so I don't have any like crazy stories about directing plays or (laughs) (laughs) um, putting together pizza trolleys, but I will say that, yeah, I've always loved a challenge and um, proving to myself that I can do anything. No, and I've actually found from a few founders that running is a common theme. Um, I'm a runner also, and I, I find that track was probably the hardest sport ever because it's very isolating, even when you're doing relays but you still are part of the team and it's kind of like you're competing against other people, but you're also competing against yourself. And it's something so tangible because you have times you have distance and you could say like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to shave off my time. And it's, it's a really great motivator. At least I found it. I know that a lot of other entrepreneurs have found as well. Yeah. A part of my daily routine is going on runs. It's not even anymore for like physical fitness, but for it to build mental discipline I think running is a perfect activity for that. I completely agree. And so when you guys came to Booth, did you think about entrepreneurship as a viable career or did you just see an opportunity? Uh, and how was it convincing yourself if you had to at all to become an entrepreneur that you could really do this as a business? You go first. I'll go first. <laughs> um, so I actually actively tried not to go into entrepreneurship when I entered <laughs> business school. It definitely wasn't a conscious choice for me on my end. Like prior to business school, I had jobs just in low resource, high intensity environments. And I was really looking forward to just getting a normal job where I can get um, a great salary. And that ended pretty quickly. I had the idea for us. So I think we started business school in September. And then I have like agendas created in October around the idea for ESA. And so I, I just started thinking about it. And then next thing I know, I'm creating an LLC in Delaware and I have a company. I mean, I'm just become obsessed with entrepreneurship. I absolutely love it. I um, cannot think of anything else I'd rather do with my time. And for yeah, me, I think I, entrepreneurship was something I was thinking about. Uh, I came to Booth. I spent years working in different kind of management roles at Teach for America and then left. I, the, the management roles were at kind of like small or in small rural South Dakota, which had a staff of four and was only a couple of years old. So it had kind of like a startup feel, even though Teach for America was kind of in its adolescence at that point. And then I was in um, kind of like the, a high growth office in Colorado. They doubled their size the year that I came. So those challenges were really interesting to me. But once kind of Teach for America's growth flattened out and they were entering a mature stage, I left to be the first full-time executive director for a startup education nonprofit in Denver. So that kind of entrepreneurial experience was something that was very fresh, um, both the challenges and the, you know, I guess like joys of it were fresh in my mind coming to Booth. So it was something I was thinking about exploring. And I, I feel like people in business school always say that like, it's 
so hard saying no. Like I find myself saying yes to a million things and I'm recruiting for a million things. And I like always joke that I had the opposite problem. Like I saying no is like the easiest thing in the world. I had a hard time finding something that I truly wanted to do. Um, and yeah, I had, had known about Eza um, from early last year in New Alley and was like deeply invested in her and the work she was doing. And there was just something that clicked um, this fall that, you know, the seed, I think the seed was planted last summer. I was thinking a lot about, about entrepreneurship and Allie and I actually had drinks um, talking about kind of like different opportunities, not at all necessarily, at least I, from my perspective, it wasn't about me joining the business, but had drinks and talked about entrepreneurship because um, it was something I was thinking more about. And then um, over the course of the fall, it like all of a sudden I had like really intense realization that um, it was the only thing I wanted to say yes to. And as it was the only company that I could see myself saying yes to. So, so yeah, it, it was a slow burn, but then like all of a sudden I was like, wait, actually I'm all in. <laughs> Let's do that. I think it's kind of like the pieces of the puzzle were always there. And then I I remember that because you were saying like, actually, it feels like I should have been doing this, you know, all along, basically. Why haven't we been doing this the whole time? And, and, you know, to watch you guys have really grown this past year. And it just, it's interesting because I think a lot of people at Booth say, I want to start a business. I want, you know, almost like it's this like after school activity that they're going to do for fun. And and I think the conviction you do have is so palpable. And I really admire that from the start. I just think that people throw around entrepreneurship a lot, but you could tell who the serious ones are. And I could always tell that you guys were the ones that were going to really, you know, take it the extra mile. Thanks, Chrissy. <laughs> and so this is a interesting question for me to hear. What has surprised you most about being an entrepreneur thus far? I would say for me, um, a big lesson I learned that I did not anticipate having to learn is um, learning to ask for help. Um, and even more importantly, like learning to accept help. I'm somebody who likes to do everything um, from the ground up. I like to learn. I like to challenge myself. But um, so this has been a really hard lesson for me. But and I probably still have a long ways to go. But um, at some point, you can't do everything. And you have to be okay accepting help and not feeling guilty about that. So that was definitely a surprising lesson for me. Mm-hmm. And I think mine is complimentary a little bit. Just And I think for a lot of people, the value of a network is really clear. But for me, was not something I had ever thought much about. I think I've been blown away by just how many people are out there who want to help, um, who you know, are, are willing to make time for us. And just like how there are so many instances along, you know, throughout the last year where we've had a meeting that, you know, somebody set up and I wasn't exactly sure kind of like what would come from it. And it opened doors that really accelerated our progress. So I think just, just how many people out there are willing to like go an extra mile and do so much, um, even when they've just met you, has yeah, that has been like a really fun surprise, surprising part about kind of the entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, and Booth has an enormous pay it forward culture, which I've I've really found helpful yeah. amongst alumni. But I I think it's really funny, Ali, your point about 
you know, asking for help. I also think female entrepreneurs, I mean, it's all over the press right now, but they're judged harder. Even the questions that VCs ask them are, you know, the negative ones, like what is your turn? And it's not like, how are you going to do this? It's kind of the metrics. Mm -hmm. And I think it's almost as a female, you feel like you're not able to ask for help and like, you should know this when really it's starting to change. And I'm really excited to see that, but I think um, there are just different expectations for female entrepreneurs that aren't necessarily fair. And so it's great that you guys have learned to, you know, asking for help isn't necessarily a detrimental thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that as women, we try to be as strong as possible. um, And asking for help sometimes can um, feel like you're showing a weakness, but actually um, it's a strength in and of itself. And it's really allowed us to grow and exponentially by being able to bring others in um, to EZA and using them for their expertise. And um, because, you know, there's only so much you can do individually Mm -hmm. as people and, you know, you're building a company. So there's always more to do. So yeah, it's been a great lesson. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think for me, the founders that ask for help or really ones that are introspective and know the holes on their team, know their weaknesses are the founders that I want to invest in the most. I think that, you know, no one can be expected to do it all, but saying like, oh, I don't have a great technical background. I want to have someone who is a better product owner or, or vice versa. Like my background working with developers, ones that say like, I want someone who knows business. I don't also, I don't enjoy doing this. So it'd be better to have Mm -hmm. a counterpart that really, you know, likes doing the things I don't. I find that those are the best entrepreneurs. Yeah. I mean, I think that that has been really key to us being able to accelerate um, our progress over the past, I don't know, six months, year. I mean, Allie's been at this for like coming up on almost like two years. (laughs) And it's a constant process of really evaluating, um, you know, like who is best positioned to do the million different things that need to happen and really analyzing like who, who exists that already knows how to do this and can do it much more efficiently than we can and getting them on board. And yeah, I feel like that as a team is growing, um, you know, yeah, it's growing all the time of people who are really rooting for us and are doing small or really big things to help us um, to, to grow and be successful. Yes, definitely. And so we're going to switch gears now to just the final fun uh, questions at the end of the episode. And so what is another Chicago startup that you guys really love? So just today, actually, we were meeting with uh, one of uh, our mentors, um, Joel Wicks. He is over at the Startup Belly. They do customer engagement um, for their clients and just create, provide um, a solution that helps kind of uh, retail and service-based companies stay in touch with their clients. Um, And Joel and um, his founder, Dan, have added like a lot of value for us along the way. And I think have created like a really fun culture and are oriented in similar ways towards getting shit done and are scrappy. Um, And yeah, we're just really grateful for them and um, really admire the company they're building over at, at Belly. Yeah, great. I think actually they're a light bank portfolio company too. And so what is the best piece of advice that you guys have received thus far? I would say as it relates to entrepreneurship, um, fail often to gain certainty. I have this in the background for my computer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And just, you know, 
being okay with making mistakes and like leaning into failure, I think has been a huge lesson um, for us as well. Um, so that we know we can figure out what works and what doesn't work. And so um, that, you know, quote has always stuck with us. I love that. I think that's really interesting. And finally, my favorite question, if you guys interview one founder, who would it be and why? And uh, you can either answer this together or separately. Oh my gosh. We, we are like looking at each other with such seriousness <laughs> to try to like winnow down um, who we would say. I think, um, I mean, for our business, um, as a dry bar has been a really important kind of um, comp and leader in beauty, and they've built something that we have really, really admire. Um, and Ali Webb is the founder and has created an incredible brand. And so we, yeah, we are all, we, we would love to learn from her. <laughs> so that's one. Oh, absolutely. And Allie Webb, if you're listening, <laughs> we would love to talk to you. <laughs> um, she really was a like original source of inspiration for us. Not only do we share the name Allie, um, <laughs> but she started the business with her husband and her brother. And my brother um, and my husband have been like integral parts of the as a team and really supportive, especially in the in the very, very beginning when nobody believed that this was an actual idea that was going to work. And so I think just like knowing her story and how she started and where she is today, she just is an example about how any female entrepreneur, no matter what type of background you have, can can build a successful business. And uh, we're, we're trying to do the same. Yeah, I think that's a great answer, especially for your line of business. Um, and it's a new one for me. So thank you so much for that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that is a wrap. So thank you guys so much for being on my show. It was awesome having you. Thanks, Chrissy. We loved it. All right. That's a wrap on this week's episode of 52 Founders. Be sure to check out the Medium blog, 52founders.com, that accompanies each episode. And stay up to date with us on Twitter, at 52founders. See you next week for episode 37.